This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Uh, we're going to start this teaching uh, in our premarital class, and the topic of my portion of this will be the unseen work before the marriage covenant. The unseen work before the marriage covenant. These are instructions. These, this is information and, and instruction that God wants to personally get to you. If you desire to be married, and don't say that you don't desire to be married because you just never know. That, that one person that you just never thought of that could just sweep you off your feet. So don't ever say that I, I'm not thinking about getting married. You need to take all of these messages. You need to hear what's being said so that you can be properly prepared if and when that opportunity presents itself. If and when that opportunity presents itself, you want to be ready. That's the whole goal, is to be ready. And understand this, that everything that we teach in this ministry, this subject is no different. Every message that we teach in this ministry is from God's perspective. It's not from man's perspective, so it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. We are taking the word of God and we are, we are taking this topic and we are going through the scriptures to show you what God says about that scripture, I mean, about this topic. So again, this is not man-made. This is nothing that we've conjured up. This is nothing that we just think about. It's nothing about, it's all from the scripture. And if we cannot prove it in scripture, then you don't have to receive it. But if we prove it in scripture, then understand that you are responsible for it. Because that's the way God has intended and instructed. So our working definition, the unseen work before the marriage covenant, that's, that's our title of this message. And our working definition, which I will prove out by scripture, but our working definition is this for the marriage covenant. Marriage is an institution. I want you to, and I want you to listen very carefully. I want you to listen to what's being said and what's not being said. I want you to hear what's being said so that you can infer and imply what's not being said. Okay? Marriage is an institution created by God whereby two rational, free moral agents, a man and a woman, who are born again, choose to enter into covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. I'm going to read that again. Again, remember what I said. What is being said is just as important as what is not being said. Again, our working definition of marriage. Marriage is an institution created by God whereby Two rational, free moral agents, a man and a woman, who are born again, choose to enter into covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. And remember what I said. If we cannot prove it in scripture, you don't have to accept it. So here we go. Our working definition based on these scriptures. Turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. 
Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 and the scripture reads therefore um, let's go let's start with verse 22 and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man and Adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh that is the operative verse I wanted to read all of that but the operative verse the, 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 the verse that I wanted to really hone in on was verse 24 therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Turn to Matthew chapter 19. So that's a scripture in the Old Testament for those of you who like to live out of the Old Testament. That's for you. But we're going to see that God is not a God of Old Testament and New Testament. It's just all the word. Matthew chapter 19. And these scriptures, these next two scriptures, are scriptures that the Christ Jesus himself spoke. So, for those of you who only follow what Christ said and you forget about and don't consider what everybody else is saying based on the scripture, man-made, let's see what Christ said. Matthew chapter 19 and let's look at verse 4 and he answered and said unto them this is Jesus Christ he is talking to the Pharisees and he answered and said unto them have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning now he's referring to Genesis chapter 2 have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and, and they twain shall be one flesh. Therefore, wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh what therefore God hath joined together let no man put asunder okay so that's Matthew chapter 19 let's go to Mark chapter 10 again God speaking and, and you hear you can hear you can hear the theme of these scriptures that I'm reading you can hear what God is saying in these scriptures and in Mark chapter 10 starting with verse and the scripture reads and they said Moses they being the Pharisees again these Pharisees they're always trying to trip God up always questioning him but he always has an answer Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 10 verse 4 and they said Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away and Jesus answered Jesus answered and said unto them for the hardness of your heart he wrote you those things he wrote you this precept. 
But from the beginning of the, of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. Verse 9. What therefore God hath joined together, let not men put asunder. And in the house, his disciples asked him again of the same matter. What, what are you talking about? Moses said one thing and you said another. Say it again. Just say it again. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife. And he answered them a different way this time. Whosoever. He said unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another. Listen. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. These are the words of Jesus Christ. And again, remember what we said, that everything we teach is from God's perspective. We showed it to you in the word, and so now it's up to you whether you receive it or you reject it. Now, keep in mind, if you have been one and, and you find yourself in the scripture, and again, the word of God is a mirror. It's a mirror. And when it comes down, the scripture tells us in Hebrews that the word cuts. It cuts like a two-edged sword. It cuts down even to the heart because it discerns what's, what's in the heart. So now if you find yourself, and we, we, we've all, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. So listen to what I'm saying. Don't take offense to it, but listen to what I'm saying. If you find yourself in these scriptures and you find uh, your, 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 um, your situation or you find what's happened to you, you find in your scripture and you find that it's wrong, it's nothing wrong with that because you're still living. And as long as you're still living and God is showing you what should be and what shouldn't be, you have time to get it right if you're still in the land of the living. So don't ever take, an, and, and this is not a condemnation, this is not condemnation to anybody, this, it, it might bring some conviction. But conviction and condemnation are not the same thing. We're not condemning you to hell if you have fallen into these scriptures. Anything that we say, not just this, but anything that we say. We're not condemning you for anything. But the scripture and the word of God, it's going to bring conviction because that's what it does. We said that the word, it comes down like a mirror. It's going to show you because this is the standard of God. So it comes down like a mirror and it shows you whether you're meeting that standard or whether you're not. So it's just going to show you you. And again, it's just conviction. What you're feeling right now, and just be still. Just be still. Don't move. Don't get up for water. Don't get up to go to the bathroom. Don't do any of that. If, you, if you're convicted right there, just stay right there. Because that's a good thing. As long as God is able to deal with you, in the, if you, and you as long as he's able to deal with you, and you're able to receive it, you're able to hear it and to receive it, you are in a good place. So, if, again, if you find yourself in these scriptures and you're not living up to the standard or have not lived up to the standard, the only thing you can do, the best thing you can do is to accept salvation if you haven't. And you need to repent regardless if you, if you haven't accepted salvation or if you have and you are a Christian and been a Christian for a long time, it doesn't matter. You need to repent and you need to go on and move on with God. 
always operating and functioning in the Word of God. Because that's, that's what we're, as Christians, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be, supposed to be followers of Christ. And this is His Word. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start reading at verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be, should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So here again, we see in all of those passages of scriptures that we just read, it all has the same underlying thing. The same underlying thing. Now listen, just like any other natural or spiritual um, endeavor that a man, a man or a woman, they undertake, they embark upon, they start, or they do. There is a time for preparation. Always a time. For, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's something natural, as in uh, uh, um, having an interview for a job. That takes preparation. If you are a good interviewee, that that takes preparation. You understand that you have to you have to uh, um, research whatever agency or or, or uh, whatever whatever the place is that you're trying to. You need to do some research on that, right? Because you need to be prepared for your interview. If you are uh, an engineer, a doctor, lawyer, whatever your whatever your your uh, occupation is. Whatever it is that you do in life, your, your, your job, whatever it is, it took some preparation. Nobody's going to allow you to work on them. You're a doctor and you have not properly prepared. There's always preparation. I don't care if you're, like, if you're an accountant. You had to be trained on how to calculate, to do calculations. You had to be trained on all of it. You had to be trained what liabilities are and assets are. You had to be trained. So not everything that you do, both spiritually and naturally, a pastor just don't get up and preach. No, that takes time. It takes study time. That's preparation. It takes prayer. Prayer is a part of your preparation when you're ministering the word. So everything in life, everything, whatever it is that you're doing, it's, if you want to be successful at it, if you want to be successful at it, if you want to do it the way it's supposed to be done or the way that it should be done, if you want to be successful, there's always preparation time. And marriage is no different. Marriage is no different. You have to be properly prepared to be married. 
Well, well, I mean, just love. I mean, I love. I mean, we love each other. We love each other. So we can't we just get married? No. Love, that's part of the preparation. But we're going to even see that even the love that you think that you have is not properly, you're not properly prepared in it. We'll see that too. But not just loving, just loving somebody, that's not the preparation. That's not the preparation. That's the start of your preparation. That's the reason why you want to be prepared. But I'm telling you today, even before that, even before you find somebody that you love, you just want to get this information in your arsenal. And listen, just getting information is nothing. You have to process it for it to become knowledge. Information is just information. But if you don't process it, then it doesn't become knowledge. Knowledge is something that you know. Knowledge is something that you know. It's something that you understand. In order to know it and to understand it, you can't just hear it. You have to take it and you have to process it. That means that you need to study it. That means you not, not only need to hear it, but you also need to apply it. Now, applying it is something different. Now, you know, knowledge, you, you, again, you have, to know, you have to have the information. You have to be able to retain the information. That, that becomes knowledge to you. And then you apply it. And then you can go on and, and use it and do all of those other things. But inf- remember, information is nothing until you do something with it. You have to process it first. You process it and then it becomes knowledge for you. So this is what God is wanting us to know. This is our preparation time for those of you who are not married. And then for those of you who are, you may have children coming up. You need to give this information to them. You may not have had this information when, uh, when, when you got married. Well, you're stuck like Chuck now. But you have information. We're giving you some information that will help you help somebody else. And, and, and it's not that you, you, want, you can even glean from these things and, help, and it'll help you right where you are. But we're talking to the unmarried and we're talking about this marriage covenant. Thank you. We're talking about this marriage covenant from the eyes and from the standpoint of someone who is not married. Understand that. Now, we have a marital class. That's different. We're talking to the married folks at that time. And then the single folks, so those who are not married, they can glean from that. But right now, we're talking to those who are not married. We're talking to those who are living with someone and they're not married. We're still talking to you. We're talking to those who are having, so you may not be living with somebody, but you're having sex with somebody that you're not married to. We're talking to you. So understand that. And again, we're talking again from God, always talking from God's perspective. There's no such thing as common law marriage. It might be for the state, but this is the word of God. This is the standard that we're teaching from. And again, if you're not meeting this standard, you're not meeting God's standard. And everything we're teaching is from his perspective. So common law marriage, that's no good. Not in the eyes of God. If you call yourself a Christian, Christ-like, following Christ, then you have to follow his standard and his word. So, this is our preparation time in a marriage covenant. We must, number one, gain an understanding that the marriage covenant has been established by God. This is what he wants us to to understand and see in this preparation time. That it is his marriage covenant. It has been established by him, therefore he has set the standard for it. 
It's established by him. It's an institution established by him. And he has set the standard for it. This message is so that we can become rational. Listen to what I'm saying. So that we can become rational and free to engage in the principles and the standards God has set within the covenant of marriage. I know what you said. I said, I said you, we need to become rational and free so that we can engage in the principles. I know what you're saying. I'm rational. I, I know how to make decisions. I, I do. I'm free. What do you mean free? I'm not talking about just free physically. I'm not saying that you're just free because you're not bound to someone else, that you're not married to someone else. That's not all the freedom that you need in order to enter a marriage covenant. You need some other freedom, and we're going to get to that. You need to be free in every area, not just physically. You need to be free mentally. You need to be free in order to be able to indulge, to engage in the principles and the standards that are set forth in a marriage covenant. And you have to be rational. And we're going to understand what rational means as well. Remember and understand this. That although a marriage covenant, it is a natural thing, a, a wedding, getting married, there are, a lot, there are a lot of natural aspects to marriage. A lot of natural aspects to uh, The marriage covenant, marriage, it is a natural relationship. Natural. It's an earthly relationship. It's a natural relationship. But there are a lot of spiritual aspects. And we need to find, and that's part of our problem as Christians, we, we don't look for the spirituality in everything that we do. We don't look for what is spiritual, although I may be doing it naturally, even on our jobs. That's a natural thing that you do. But you can find some spiritual aspects of what you do. The way you live your life before those people, that's spiritual. Because your life has to bear witness that you are a believer. Bear witness that Christ is on the throne. Your life has to, so there's a spiritual aspect to everything we do. Marriage is no different. So we're going to see those things as we go throughout this teaching as well. So those are the two things that we need to do as, in, as we are in preparation. We need to gain an understanding that the marriage covenant has been established by God, therefore he has set the standard for it. And we need to understand that we need to become, in our preparation, we need to become rational and free to engage in the principles and the standards God has set within the marriage covenant. Now, Point number one, why does marriage become a consideration? I want you to think about this real hard. Those of you who are already married, I want you to think about this real hard. You don't have to think that hard because you know. And those of you who are considering marriage, I want you to consider this question. Those of you who may not be considering marriage at this point, remember what I said, don't, don't ever say you won't ever, ever. But even you, I want you to consider why would you consider marriage? So, here's the question. Why do you want to get married? For those of you considering it, why do you want to get married? That's a good question. That's a very good question. Why do you want to? If you're already married, why did you get married? So here are some common considerations. The scripture tells us that there is nothing that's uncommon to men. That we all have these commonalities. We all do. Anything that's being said here can be common to somebody else. 
Somebody else might be thinking that. Somebody else thought that. So understand that this, what I'm about to say now, the things that I'm about to list now, the things we're about to go over now, these are man's reasons on why they have considered, some common considerations of why they considered marriage. Why they did consider it or why they are considering it. A, because a person believes it's just the right thing to do as a natural progression of life or adulthood. Some people just think that. I just, I mean, it's just, that's just life, right? You, you're born, you go through toddler stage, you go through uh, teenage stage, adolescent stage, you go through all of that, you go through puberty, you go through your early 20s. It's just a natural progression. It's a natural progression. So that's why they consider marriage. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? So that's the, our lives tend to go that way. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has to be married. But there's that's some a way a way of thinking. Some people think that's just a it's a natural progression. So why not? Why not get married? It's a natural progression. Again, we're talking about common considerations for marriage. That people, the reasons why people consider marriage. Number two, to legalize their sexual sin or to cover their guilt, to soothe their consciousness for their sexual sin. Now, this is talking to believers. We're talking to those who claim to be Christian, who claim to be Christ-like. So we think that marriage, so we consider marriage so that we can cover up our sins. So that we can soothe our consciousness about what we're doing. But understanding what, what I said, that that's not going to legalize, we're going to get a little bit further into it, but that's not going to legalize your sexual acts. It's not going to leave. Because why? Because what you've done is already done. The sin's been committed. The crime's been committed. So you can't legalize a crime that you've committed. You can't legalize it. You have to do something with that. You do something with that first. Then you can legalize a marriage and you can move on from there. But legalize, but getting married, even, even by the standard of God, getting married is not going to make that right even in the eyes of God. It's not going to legalize it and it's not going to make it right in the eyes of God. You've got to do something with that sin. Number, uh, uh, point C. Reasons people consider marriage as a way of showing that they've settled down. They show that they settle down, or they settling down with one person. Now they they've sown their their oats. I mean, you know, in their their teens and their their twenties and their thirties and their forties, and they they have had all the sex that they wanted to have, and they've done it with everybody that they wanted to do it with. And now that I'm fifty, you know, it's now it's time to settle down. It's time to settle down. It's, you know, I just want to show that I, you know, I've turned over a new leaf. I'm going to settle down with one woman. I'm, I'm through womanizing. I'm through doing all of that. I'm just going to settle down with this one woman. That is not a reason to get married. But that is a consideration. I know people like that. They've done all, of the, all the freedom that they wanted to have. and they've, they've done it all. But now that I'm old, I'm ready to settle down. So that's the reason why people choose marriage. They choose marriage to appease their desire for a certain economic position. They get married. They consider marriage to appease a certain, to, uh, to, uh, to appease their desire for a certain economic status or position. What? What? 
They want help paying these bills. Now, I done charged up all these credit cards. I've done all of that. Now, I need some help paying these people back. I need another income. And I'm not willing to get a second job. I just, I just need to marry somebody so I can have a second income so they can help me pay these bills. People consider that as part of a reason why they get married. And for the, sometimes, for the most part, that is the reason. That's it. What does love have to do with it? That is the reason. I need a second income. They need help, the same, the same, same situation, economic status or position. They need help purchasing things that they want. So, no, I haven't gone and charged up these credit cards. I haven't done all that because I don't want to do that necessarily. But there's some things that I want. This house that I want. This car that I want. I have children. They need things. And so I need a second income to help me get all these things, everything that I want. I need a second income to get it done. And that's why they consider marriage. Someone to take care of me financially. I need somebody to be financially responsible for me. Now, now a lot of women, a lot of women do this. But guess what? There's some men that do this too. They can't keep a job, don't want to keep a job. But if they can find a woman that can take, that will take, that's willing, that's willing to. Every woman's not willing to take care of you like that. But there are some that are willing to let you just lay up and do what you want to do during the day while they go to work. And they're willing to take care of you financially. Women, we're not going to leave you out. And I know, and you, you stand up, you, you uh, hide behind the fact, you know, a man's supposed to take care of his house, and he does. But what's the motive? I said, remember what I said, why are you considering marriage? And remember what I said, that God, the word is a discerner. It's a discerner. In your hearts, what your motivation is. So you lazy too, you don't want to work, you just want to spend up all the money. Somebody to be financially responsible for me. I need you to take care of these bills. I need you to take care of me like I want to be taken care of. I want to be able to shop during the day while you at work. As quickly as you make the money, I'm spending the money. I'm high maintenance. And somebody has got to maintain me. That's the motive. That's the thought behind it. And that is a reason why people consider marriage. But that's not the reason why. Again, what did I say? These are man's reasons why they consider marriage. Then we have the fantasy versus reality people. The fantasy versus reality. They base their choices and they base their consideration to marriage, to marry someone all out of fantasy. Out of fantasy. They make decisions. And what, what is a fantasy? It's imagining something that's impossible. A fantasy. Imagining something that's impossible. Unable to happen. Uh, that is unable to exist. Unable to be. That's impossible. Unable to happen. Or improbable. The probability that it won't happen. Unlikely to happen. And in all of these imaginings, all these things that they're imagining, they don't consider the things that are possible or probable. 
fantasy versus reality. They live and they make decisions out of what they imagine life to be. Out what, of what they imagine uh, a marriage to be. And they don't consider the realities that take place within a marriage. What they imagine is what they base their decisions upon instead of basing their decision upon reality, what is real, or at least considering the things that are possible or that are probable. For an example, physical attraction. That's a fantasy. You want to base your decision to marry somebody on a physical attraction? You're living in a fantasy world. Why? Why? Listen, we meet somebody. This is the fantasy. We meet someone, they're physically attractive, so they look good. Oh, they look good. And they're shapely. I don't don't think they say Coke bottle no more, but this woman is, she got a Coke bottle shape. Right, you know what I mean. She's shapely. Or he's built. You know, he got muscles buzzing everywhere, you know, whatever, whatever you like. So you're physically attracted to this person. Which leads to a desire to be physically intimate with them. Which that is not a problem either. It's not a problem. Because God built us, and we're going to get into that too. God made us in such a way. Okay? So, so you meet someone, you find someone physically attractive, which leads to a desire to, to, be, uh, to want to be physically intimate with them. And for some, it stops right there. Which is okay. It stops right there. They are considering, though, they are considering... And they are building a relationship and a marriage around a physical attraction. So it's okay to be physically attracted to something. We all, that's the way we all start. Every relationship, every marital relationship starts that way. You're physically attracted to someone. You're physically, so it's nothing wrong with that. But it is something wrong with it when you try to build a relationship around that. It is a problem when you try to build a marriage around a physical attraction. I said what? That is the fantasy. What is the reality? The reality of that that you don't consider is that the body changes. And when it does change, that physical attraction can change as well. How you're physically attracted to them, that can change when their body changes. It can change. And that is reality. Everybody's body changes. I don't care, woman, man, everybody. Everybody's body changes. And it's going to occur. Remember what I said. Not that it's improbable. It is probable. And more, it's, listen, it's more than probable. Probable means it probably will. It probably will. It's not probable. It will. It will change. And that's a guarantee. So if you change and you base your relationship, you base a marriage on that, and that changes, then that changes the, the, the dynamic of your marriage, if that's what you based it on. It's changed the dynamic of it. So, then they become less attractive to you, or they become less desirable to you. And that is an issue. Now, this next piece, anyone that's hearing, anyone, anyone that's hearing this message right now, you know that based on the word of God, this is not appropriate because it's not the standard of God. But some people base their relationship, they base their marriage or their consideration of marriage, they base it on not just a physical attraction, but they take it a step further and they, they, they label it, we, I need to know if we're sexually compatible. 
So it goes beyond a physical attraction. And that, remember, I talked about that desire after the physical attraction, and there's a desire to be with them intimately. Then they take that a step further. And now they got to see. I just got to see. You know, I, I can't marry anybody if we're not sexually compatible. And so they take it a step further, and they want to test those waters. Well, you know what? A test is one time. Even a, I mean, that, it's not right to test one time, but a test is one time. But when you're constantly living in that, that's not a test. It's not a test. It's no longer a test. A test is one time. No, no, no. This is something, and listen, when you open up that, when you open up that can of worm, when you open your body, your body is, su- is susceptible to whatever, to whatever you, you, you feed it. So that's, a, that's an appetite. That, now you've opened up a sexual appetite. And we all know, we all have appetites. We all like to eat. We have appetites. When you eat one time, that's not satisfying you. you eventually, you have to go back and get it again. Eventually, you have to go back and eat again. So now you've opened up this sexual appetite, because I'm labeling it, I need to know if we're sexually compatible. And now you've opened up, and we don't even have time to go into that. We won't go into that. But, but you have opened up a whole new set of problems for yourself. Remember we talked about, uh, uh, talked about earlier how you, you, you know, if you find yourself and you were married before or you find yourself and you, were, uh, sex, you, and you are sexually active and you're not married to the person you're sexually active with, remember I said you can't, you, can't, you can't correct that, but you can go back and repent from that and you can move on from there. Well, this is the same thing. This is the same thing. So, so listen, I, and I don't think, I don't know what, what people think. I mean, like, do you think if you, if you have sex, it, it's, it's not scripted, like you see in the movies. You're not going to see fireworks. Music is not going to play. That, those are things that are in scripts. It's scripted. So I don't know if that's your expectation, but again, that's what I said. I think people believe that or something, that, that because that becomes their fantasy. What are you expecting? And that's, again, that's why God, God considers, you, look, you won't have anything. It will be sparks and all of that. If both of you have not opened up that can of worms and you have not opened up your bodies to that, that, that will come. If, because that's all you know. Because that's all you know. But, but if you have, now you're searching for something. You're searching for something that you once had. You're searching for something that you want to have. But you would, had you not opened it up, you wouldn't, that wouldn't even be an issue. But that's why people base, that is a consideration of why people consider marriage. Now, what happens, the reality, this not written in scripts, what happens when some event or some situation causes an inability to carry out that part of a marital covenant? In you or your spouse. What happens then? This is reality. Reality. Now we would hope, God forbid, we would hope nothing but, but we're living in a sin-sick world. And we all, we know that sin, just because sin is in the world, things just happen. Things happen. And so what happens if that were to happen? A situation, an event that, that, that happens and there is an inability to carry out that function of your marital covenant. What do you do then? See, you, a lust, you cannot correct, a, you cannot cover up a lust with marriage. It's not going to cover it up. If you were having sex before you got married and then this happens, your lust problem, it has not been resolved. 
It hasn't been resolved. You are still going to want that sexual uh, uh, compatibility. You're still going to want that sexual activity. You're still going to want that. Remember, we're talking about a marriage covenant. We're talking about the things, that, the unseen things that you have to work out. <laughs> the unseen work before the marriage. You got to work on and God is trying to work on you. Because if, you, if this is who you are, uh, meaning if this is your normal practice, if this is what you normally do, if this is what you do, uh, this is what you, you are doing, God is trying to correct that. He says, no, I cannot have you entering into a marital relationship, into a marriage covenant with someone that I have prepared, someone that you, you I prepared them and you're attracted to them because they're prepared, but then you want to join yourself to this that I have prepared and you expect? That that marriage covenant is going to work out just fine. Why? Because they are, because they're operating in what God has said. Because they understand what marriage is. Because they've been brought up. They've been their 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 parents are are married and they have been married for years. So they have a good example. So if I marry them, then it's going to make it all right. No, it's not going to make it all right. And actually, you're going to cause problems for that person, although they may have all of this knowledge. But guess what? Guess what? If they have this information that I'm, and I'm so, so I'm just gonna say it like that too. I don't care even if they have, if they all of that. They, they have a good example in the home of marriage and they, they kind of understand, but if they chose you, living like that, that thought pattern, if they chose you and they are involved in that sexual, it takes two to be sexually involved. And they have involved themselves with that sexual activity, then guess what? Both of you, both of you need some cleansing. So this word is for both of you. But even if you're not, so even if you're not, you found this person and they're well and good, and even if you're not having sex, but you still have these, 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 these things and these thoughts that you, you can, you're marrying them because they're fine, and you're marrying them because of this, and you're marrying them because of that. I didn't hear nothing about love, but you're marrying them because of all these reasons. And they still, and that's why it's a good thing to think them. They ain't listening to it, and I hope they are. And if they're not, you need to, no, I don't change your mind about inviting them next time because they need to hear the word. Because that you both need to be prepared. We're talking about successful. I'm not talking about just getting married just to be, just because it's, it's the normal thing to do in life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when I get married, I'm deciding that I am doing it because, because I love the person, number one. I want to spend the rest of my life with them. I desire to be with them, even physically. I desire to be with them. But it has to grow into a different and into, into another form of love, which we will talk about. But all of these things, we, we want to do these things for the right reasons. We also want to find out what God's perspective is on our marriage covenant. What does he desire from our marriage? I said it's a spiritual, there is a spiritual aspect. That means that there's something that God is requiring. That's something that God is expecting from that marriage covenant. And we need to find out what it is. We need to find out what it is and find out what it is quickly and hurriedly. And we need to properly prepare ourselves. Listen, this is not for those who have already set a date for a wedding. I'm not talking to you. You need to, if you, if you want to do it right, you need to set, you need to scrap that date. Scrap it. Why? Because you don't know how long it's going to take. In preparing for, for, marriage, for a successful marriage, the way God wants you to be in a marriage, it, it may take longer than that little three months you got left. It may take longer than that little six months you got left. 
Because guess what? When you start planning a wedding, you put a date out there, and you start planning a wedding, you don't, you're not going to care. You, you might listen to what I'm saying. You might listen to what's being said, but you are not. It's just information. Why? Because you're not applying it. You're not taking, you're not taking what you hear and applying and doing something with it, with it, and processing it, and doing something with it. You're not. You're just going through the motions just to say that I sat through a, 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 a premarital class. And that's not going to do you any good because you sit in a class. I don't care if you go and sit with a preacher. It's not going to do you any good if you don't take the information that is given and process it and apply it and live it. It is not going to benefit you one bit. Not one bit. I am out of time. I'm out of time. But you need to stay tuned. Remember, I think they still have some live streaming going on, some, uh, some slides about our, our, our times and everything for our services. So you stay tuned, and we will see you at 10. And don't forget, be back next week, 845. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.